This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Music can only mean one thing. It is the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So it's been an interesting week for both of us. Uh, a short film that we both worked on uh, came out yesterday. Officially, the world premiere at the Kite Film Festival in Destin, Florida. And Derek was actually in attendance. So Derek, tell me all about it because we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Yeah, so we it premiered at the Kite Film Festival, which was held at Club LA out in Destin, which is about an hour and a half drive from from where I live. But you know, Destin is a beautiful place. It's always fun to go to, and one of the uh, this, UFO capitals of the world. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, this was actually my first film festival that I had ever attended. Really? So I was so I was really excited, and Servi was one of the first films that premiered, and. The way they did it, it wasn't what I expected. I expected, you know, like somebody from each movie to come up and say like maybe a brief something about it. But literally, like once they did the intro, they just started rolling them out and they would just play them one after another, which saved on time. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll give them that. But Servi was, I think, the fourth film uh, that was shown. And, you know, as soon as as soon as Servi came up, like the title came up, all of us who were sitting together just started yelling. <laughs> and uh, it, it was really, really cool to see the the color correction uh, from, you know, because I had only seen the the version before that doing the sound editing because uh, Kevin, who did the, the director of photography, was doing the color correction. So yeah. I didn't see that at all until this film festival. And it looked great. Yeah, I got to yep. say, um, the the original version that I saw was, I mean, it was before music, before uh, the you know color correction, before any sound effects. So I saw just the raw film um, mm -hmm. edited, and I was like, "This is going to be great," but it does lack something, you know, that when there's no music or or sound effects. But then uh, Steve sent us the link a little while ago to actually watch the finished uh, product that was shown last night. And me and my wife watched it, and we're blown away. My wife loves it. It's the I'll say it's the almost complete version because yeah, I've yeah. still got some more sound editing I've got to do before we release it like publicly. Yeah, but but it's you know ninety ninety five percent done. But either way, it, it was it was really cool to see on a giant screen, and you know seeing other films as well with other people that I know. Uh, it's cool to see like all the hard work pay off. Yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun. I I, I really enjoy. It. I want to go to another film festival. Oh, I love going to film festivals. We got to actually we got a couple more uh, for monsters coming up next year, early next year, and um, I, I plan on getting to as many of them as possible. Uh, especially there's one going to be in New Jersey around April. I'm going to go up there and, and stay with our friend. Uh, Joey image while I'm up there 
and uh, nice. hang out. Maybe go do the uh, the View Askew tour where I go to Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash. Maybe go to the uh, the Quick Stop, uh, do all those sorts of things. And uh, hopefully, uh, I sent um, Steve um, to uh, that festival also for him to submit survey. So that'd be great if I had two movies that I was in in the same film festival and have Steve there with me if he was able to go. Absolutely. And, and one more thing I did want to throw out there is that Servi actually won two awards. I know. It's at the awesome. Kite Film Festival. It won the Audience Award, which was voted on by all the attendees that were at the film festival. And then um, it also won for costume design. That's so great. So it, it was an awesome night. And huge was, congratulations to uh, LaVon French, who did the costuming absolutely. for Servi. She worked her butt off for that movie. Yes, she did. Now, I will say I did get a little teary-eyed when, when Vilker died. Spoilers for those Spoilers. who haven't seen it. Yeah. But no, it, was, it, it was really cool to see. It was fun. It, it was a lot of fun. After we watched it, I, I, me and my wife were talking about it, and I was like, so it wasn't too, like over the top or anything was it she was like no actually for a moment i forgot it was you i was like that's like the best compliment i could ever get oh for sure for sure um there was one more thing i was gonna say about the movie i can't remember what it was i'm sure i'll remember it at some other point but no it was it was really cool it, it was really fun to to see you know, and seeing like I enjoyed just as much seeing like the the cast reactions to it because some of them hadn't seen anything yeah. from the movie like at all. It's really awesome when uh, your film plays and it gets a great audience reaction. Um, it's just like like for monsters, you know, like having people laugh at just the you know just the right moments and. You know, some of the jokes even get drowned out because people are laughing at a joke that had come before. And, you know, when the movie's over and everybody's cheering and it just like, it's just that such a good feeling. Yeah. Well, in, in closing, I did want to say there is the only regret that I have from Servi is that you and I did not get to be on set together. Yeah, uh, it was a two day shoot and I was there for the first day and I actually had a body double for the second day because uh, I didn't want to have to cost the uh, the production any more money for having to stay a second day. They would have had to have me a hotel room and food and all that stuff. So. I went ahead and and left the the production after the after my stuff was done because the rest of my stuff um was very easily done by Dezo Faulkner because we look almost exactly alike. Cuz I I think I've told this story before but I I wasn't able to work day 1 because of work. So when I got on set for day 2, when I saw Dezo for a split second, I thought he was you. <laughs> like I saw him from the side. I was like, oh, there's Jason. Then he turns around. I was like, you're not Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Which is going to be great if I ever have my acting career like take off. I, I come with a body double. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he's I'm uh, sure he'd be willing to go along for the ride. And yeah, he can do all my fight scenes, too, because he's, uh, you know, he he trains in like all kinds of martial arts and everything. So I never have to lift a finger. I just got to look good. <laughs> all you have to do is talk and then he'll make you look like a badass yeah, exactly it's great um but yeah the, uh, if if you can go to uh it, it's at survey film on twitter 
and uh, just look up uh, Survey Film on Facebook. S U R V I. If you want to keep up with everything, and uh, hopefully it'll be playing in a town near you. Hopefully so. But uh, I only have one news story for this week, so let's just go ahead and roll into that. From NintendoLife.com, Nintendo isn't ready to talk about any more classic console releases. Uh, the NES Classic Mini and SNES Classic Mini have been enormous successes for Nintendo and have opened up another valuable revenue stream for the firm in what has been a bumper period for profits. Uh, and what they said, they told uh, during a recent interview with CNN, uh, Reggie Filame and his response was predictable predictably vague about uh, when being asked if they were going to do any more future retro consoles. He said, we'll have to do another interview sometime in the future where we can talk about that. But certainly we recognize that our our consumers love all of this great legacy content. Um, You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, they filed for um, I think uh, another copyright and um, they registered some things for, uh, Game Boy, so everybody started speculating if there was going to be a Game Boy Classic coming out. Uh, we, you know, we don't need to go through it again. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's just them um, regis- re-registering their stuff just to cover all their bases. But if there's going to be another um, retro console, I think it's going to be the Nintendo 64. But I don't think it's coming anytime soon. I give it at least another two years before it comes out. Yeah, I know we talked about with the Game Boy. I think the route to to go with that would be like a mobile game package. Yeah, exactly. Like you you release it as an app and you just call it Game Boy Classic. And maybe it comes with, you know, a layout where your phone looks like a Game Boy. And you actually have to hit, you know, the control pad, like that specific section of your phone to make your character move. And then you can do like 20 games on you know, the, the app. And then if it works and it sells well, then a year later you add another batch to it. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I mean, I I just got the switch a few weeks or last week. I'm in love with the switch. If I want to play classic, um, you know, game boy games, why not just put them out as a bundle on the eShop for the switch? I mean, that would be, you know, <laughs> that would make more sense to me. That also kind of goes in the area of what do you release on the eShop to not interfere with your classic console sales? Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I think that the next one will be the N64. I could see them maybe skipping a year, maybe not do one for 2018, but I, I could see as soon as 2019 we'll get an N64 yeah. classic. Either that or we'll get the um we'll get an announcement like maybe mid twenty nineteen and then it'll come out that Christmas season. It's cause you could technically say that's the t- like the no, no, I wouldn't say the twenty that'd be like the twenty fourth anniversary because it was ninety six when it came out. I don't know. I would think they would save that for the twenty fifth anniversary, but that's pushing it to twenty twenty one. So I don't think they would wait that long. But I do think it's way too soon to put out an N64 classic. Well, and also you got to think next year they're re-releasing the NES during the summer. So that could be like their their big classic thing is they're 
they're re-releasing it. Um, and plus with the N64, I don't know, if, one, how many games they would be able to put on it, and two, what games they would be able to release because you have games like you know Banjo-Kazooie or Conker's Bad Fur Day that were made by Rare, who works primarily with Microsoft now. Would they be willing to fork over the money to do those games? Yeah. Well, not only that, but I just don't think that people have the nostalgia for the N64 like they do for the Nintendo, uh, the NES, or the Super Nintendo. I mean, don't get I me would wrong. agree with that. It's a great console, but it just didn't, I don't know, it, it didn't have the success that the originals did. So, yeah. I just don't know. I, I think it's not economically feasible for them at this point to make that hardware. And like you said, to to license all those games. Because when you think about it, most of the great games for the N64 were not first-party titles. And I'm I'm yeah. talking about things like, you know, Rebel Assault, um, stuff like that. You know, th- like Banjo-Kazooie. None of those were Nintendo titles. Those were all, you know, Rare, LucasArts, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, that would be a tricky one, but... I, we'll hear something about it within the next year or so yeah. that they're going to do it. It's just what they'll put on it. Yeah. I, I mean, we're going to get it eventually. Uh, that's a given, but I just don't think it's anytime soon. That's just my opinion. No, I, I don't disagree with that. But let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. On November 12th of 1980, Stern Electronics releases Berserk. With designers out with designer Alec McNeil's signature on the monitor glass of each cabinet. Do you remember Berserk? That was actually one of my favorite games for the uh, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I've actually never heard of this game. Really, I, Berserk was a huge title back in the day, and that that floating uh, happy face always scared the hell out of me as a kid. There was a floating happy face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, in the arcade version, it was a little more fleshed out but on the atari 2600 it was just this uh floating happy face that would come across the screen and scare the living crap out of me yeah i'm i'm looking at it now yeah i can see that (laughs) berserk was a great (laughs) game i really think they could do a berserk style game today kind of building on what you know the story of berserk and make it because it did kind of have a feel of like, you know, it was a the granddaddy of like Metroid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have to I have to do a little bit more research on it. But it's funny because when you mentioned Berserk, I thought of the um, do you remember from the movie Clerks with that Russian guy saying the metal song Berserk? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought of. My love for Bers- you is like a truck Berserker. Berserker. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Uh, in November of 1980, Namco releases Rally X, the first game with a bonus round. It also features multi-directional scrolling. So Rally uh, X was the racing game? Let me look this up real quick. That's what it looks like. That's kind of crazy that it it introduced the concept of the bonus round because you think of so many games that have implemented that. You know, I ones that come off to mind are the the bonus round from um, Super Mario World after you get a hundred stars. Yeah. After hitting the checkpoint, and you have to try and get the, 
you know, do tic-tac-toe with all the power-ups. I remember Rally X. This, yeah, I played this many times. I actually have memories of playing this on the uh, the cocktail machine at the, the local Pizza Hut when I was a kid. You know, there was a, um, there's a pizza place. I don't know if it's still open. It's called Pizza Pro in Bruton, Alabama, which is like 30 miles from where I grew up. And as recent as like three or four years ago, they still had those types of tables. Really? I love mm-hmm. cocktail machines. I want to have one. I don't care what kind it is. Mostly I want um, Miss Pac-Man. I would love to have a Miss Pac-Man cocktail machine. I'd love to have a Donkey Kong one. Oh, that'd be good too. Well, speaking also- of that, there's there's a moment in Mario Odyssey where you do like a like a 2D, like you sometimes go into 2D mode. I've heard of this. <laughs> and there, there's a level in, um, in Mario Odyssey that's, that brings you back to the Donkey Kong game. And I'm not going to lie. It made me a little teary eyed. Wow. I'm, that's my next purchase. I'm going to buy that at Christmas. Super Mario Odyssey. It's, it's so good. It's I so, am, so good. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm playing Zelda right now and I just, uh, got my first, um, what is it? What do they call them? The, uh, the four the, big the divine beasts. Yeah. The divine beast. I just got my first divine beast last night. Which one did you beat? Uh, the elephant water thing. Uh, that was the first one I did too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that game's so fun. It's so good. I can't believe how good that game is, but we uh, will, <laughs> we have to do an extra special episode just talking about that game. We should. I mean, I'll, I'll be all for it because I've been wanting it. to get back into it because they're supposed to release some extra DLC that adds to the story by the end of the year. I know. I saw in there last night on the eShop saying there was, there was DLC coming. I'm like, I'm not even done with the game yet. <laughs> uh, mm, damn it. Nintendo, <laughs> you got me. You got me by the short what and they, curlies. <laughs> that's what they do. And also to round out November of 1980, Universal releases Space Panic, often cited as the first platform game, though the term was still several years in the future. Uh, I don't remember this game at all. This actually it looks too much like Donkey Kong to me. That's exactly what I was thinking. As soon as I pulled this up, it well, it even says it predates Donkey Kong. Really? Because so, Donkey Kong so, came out like what, like late 70s? Donkey Kong was 81. 81. Wow. And you can definitely see the similarities, so maybe maybe Donkey Kong took some influence from this. <laughs> Probably. My, I mean, a lot of the, it was a lot of the same programmers back then, too. That's true. Uh, November 1st, 1986, Sega releases Alex Kidd in Miracle World. It is the first game in the Alex Kidd series created for this character and the most popular of all Alex Kidd games. Um, I, I vaguely remember the name... But I never played this game. Well, I remember Alex Kidd was kind of the mascot of Sega before um, Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog came around. Uh, they were trying to make Alex Kidd into sort of like a uh, you know a Mario type character, but it just never really took off. I'm reading about the plot, and it it does sound kind of intriguing. And of course, it's a platform game, so it it would be something that would be up my alley. Yeah, I'll have to look up gameplay on this. Uh, I remember them talking about this on uh, the video game years. Have you had a chance to watch that yet on Amazon? Uh, watch what? 
uh, the video game years on Amazon. I have not yet. Ooh, there's there's so that. much I'm far behind on. <laughs> that should be that should be something you should really uh, make a point to watch over the holidays. Oh, trust me, I've got a list. <laughs> uh, and also of November of 1992, Accolade releases Star Control 2, uh, which was a science fiction video game sequel to Star Control. It was developed by Toys for Bob and originally published by Accolade in 1992. Um, I don't remember this at all. I don't either, but I love the name Toys for Bob. I'm just about to say that. It's like the greatest <laughs> developer name ever. <laughs> Toys oh, you for work Bob. For? Oh, Toys for Bob. Who do you work for? Toys for Bob. Oh, all right. What do they do? Right. Make Toys for you... Bob. Well, we work for this guy named Bob, and he likes toys. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But no, I, I've never heard of this game either. But to round out... Are this month in video game history. On November 21st, 1992, Sega publishes Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Mega Drive slash Genesis and also Master System and Game Gear. The game introduces Sonic's signature ability, the Spin Dash, Super Sonic, and Sonic sidekick Miles Tails Prower. Now, I won't go too much into this because this is actually going to be my review for next week. Oh, really? Yes, but I will say it's it's a perfect example of one of those concepts that I talked about it, I think, with... Um, I talked about it with some other game that I'm, for some reason, blanking on, but... Oh, it was Crash Bandicoot 2. Oh, it yeah. took It took all the elements from the first game and made it better. Hmm. I've never played any of the Sonic games other than Sonic 1, so I would really like to go back and play these because I do find Sonic to be really fun. I just, like I said before, many times on this show, I just never got into the Genesis back then. Yeah, I I like the Sonic games, but that was really the only reason that I had a Genesis yeah. was to play all of those. And, you know, the, the 2D games are great. You know, the original Sonics are some of the most fun entertaining games to play because it's for the most part just mindless running yeah but it, it's it's a good thing but I, i'll definitely get more into it next week awesome well um before we go into our review for tonight derek have you been listening to anything on audible i have so for you the listeners of the nerd cave retro podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service as we record the show, I'm about halfway through the Legends of Luke Skywalker. That's what I was going to ask which, you about. <laughs> which I, I told you about the the concept of it, it with it not exactly being what we thought it would be. But I'm kind of getting used to it. Okay. And it's – I would still prefer it to be like a story about just Luke doing something. But having these collections of stories is actually kind of interesting because – some of it is so like outlandish, it's comical. <laughs> but but then there there are moments that are are really really cool. Well, I was gonna ask you, like, let me know what you think about it once you finish it. I I might go ahead and get it. But there is another book, <clears throat> Star Wars book that came out recently that um I want to listen to. Uh, it's called From a Certain Point of View, uh, yes. and it's about um. 
says, in honor of the 40th anniversary, more than 40 contributors lend their vision to this retelling of Star Wars. Each of the 40 short stories reimagines a moment from the original film, but through the eyes of a supporting character. Um, so I, I haven't listened to this yet. It looks really interesting. So if you don't have an Audible account and you're interested in this, uh, use our code and go get this for free, basically. And you get 15 hours of content with this book. That's another one that's on my list, too, because as soon as I found out about it, I was like, this is going to be really good. Yeah. But if you want to check that out, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And we're going to be talking about... Punch Out, or actually the version, I, version I'm going to be talking about is Mike Tyson's Punch Out, uh, originally released in 1987, uh, and then of course um, a couple of years later, I think in 1989, uh, Nintendo had actually only uh, licensed Mike Tyson for I think a two-year contract for uh, Punch Out, and they didn't renew it at the end of the two years, so that's why uh, it then changed to just punch out. Mike Tyson was removed and Mr. Dream was put in as the, the final boxer to take out. And I actually had the original punch out version when I was a kid and I still had it up until a few years ago, but I don't know what happened to it. I lost it somewhere in a move, I think. Uh, but just recently I found a copy of Mike Tyson's punch out at, a, um, at the, uh, the flea market. Uh, it was really good shape. It still had the the instruction book with it, and I think I paid about twelve bucks for it. So I basically just stole it from the guy. Um, but after I got it, man, I couldn't stop playing it for days. That's one of the most fun games for the NES, and it's definitely a must-have. Um, it was developed. Uh, it was, it was produced uh, by Genyo Takeda. Uh, he did the Punch-Out! arcade games, and he directed the NES version. But because the NES was not as powerful as the arcade software, they had to actually uh, change from the original arcade game, which was a, um, you, it w didn't have Little Mac, who in the, the, the Nintendo version, your fighter is named Little Mac, who... Um, is basically like supposed to be like 17 years old and he's only like 120 pounds or something like that, but you're fighting all these huge fighters. And the reason they did that is because in the original arcade version, the fighter that you play was a wireframe fighter so that you could actually see through your boxer while you're fighting all the, your opponents. But because you couldn't do that on the Nintendo, they actually created Little Mac, who pretty much became a mascot for a long mm -hmm. time for the Nintendo. Um, and I, I, I still think Little Mac should be a mascot for the Nintendo. I still think Punch-Out! games should be produced to this day. And I think they just put one out a few years ago, didn't they? Um, I know one of the most popular things they did, 
in recent memory was for the latest edition of Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U, they actually added Little Mac as a character. And a lot of people were really happy about that. Yeah, um, I can't. Re- I don't remember there being a recent punch out. Let me look that up real quick. I thought quick. they put out one for the Wii U, if I'm not mistaken, and they went back to the original wireframe. Uh, uh, let's version. see. There was one for the um, for the Wii. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember it was something like that. Um, I I would buy a punch out game if they came out with one for the Switch. Because I was so in love with Punch-Out when I was a kid playing this game. I mean, from all the the different boxers that you play, you know, you start out with, um, of course, Glass Joe. He's so easy to beat. And then you move on to My favorite character from that whole series. Yeah, Glass Joe, (laughs) Piston Honda, uh, Bald Bull, who used to just kill the crap out of me when I was a kid. I could never get past Bald Bull. But... Now, I played this game a few weeks ago when I first bought it. I finally figured him out. Like, I know how to make the count when he starts to charge at you and you punch him in the stomach and it's an instant knockout. Nice. It's awesome. But then you have. You also the got other, King Hippo, too. Yeah. Oh, King Hippo, uh, Great Tiger, uh, my, one of my favorites, Soda Popinski, um, and Mr. Sandman, who. I have trouble getting past the last few weeks because I'm just not as quick as I used to be when I was a kid, you know, like looking for the little tells because all the, all the different fighters, they all have a different tell um, before they do, you know, whatever it is they do. So it's really a game of memorization and um, really just quick reflexes. Yeah. So did you ever uh, play punch out when you were a kid or was it something that you played kind of later on um for the most part i i remember briefly playing punch out as a kid but i never really like got quite into it i did play it later on i think i i'd had it for the for the wii virtual console um and then i've watched you know video of course um this was this was a game that i do wish i had kind of gotten more into and it was perfect for the time because, you know, everyone in the world knew who Mike Tyson was. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, the best fighter in the world. And he was one of those guys that I remember watching him on TV because I spent a lot of time with my uncle as a kid. And he was a huge boxing fan back then. Oh, yeah. And Mike Tyson and I would was a be, big deal back in the 80s. You know, when I was a kid, that was a huge thing when there was a Mike Tyson fight. Like, everybody got those pay-per-views. And I remember, like, as soon as Mike Tyson would come on TV, I would be, like, legitimately afraid of him. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this dude could stop your heart with one punch. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I I remember, um, you know, he's one of, like, the most iconic names in, in sports, period. Not just in boxing, but he's up there. He's, like, to me, the most known boxer of all time like oh, yeah. and even with names i think he's up there with like the like the michael jordan you know type of person like you, you just you hear their name and you instantly know who they are oh yeah and you know one of the things about this game is how smooth the controls are you know you play in as a little mac uh you've got you know your right and left jab you got body blows and the one of the things that 
uh, is really cool about this game is when you're fighting your your opponents and sometimes you get a lucky shot in, you'll get a star. And you can use that star to do an uppercut. And a lot of times, if you time that uppercut perfectly, it's an instant knockout uh, and an end to the fight. Um, but yeah, the the controls of this game, you know, you, you put, you're playing Little Mac, you're going up through the ranks. Uh, and of course, each fight gets harder and harder uh, the further you go. And I think there's about, I mean, there's like 15 or 16 matches you have to go through. Maybe a couple more than that. It's around 15 matches you have to go through before you actually get to Mike Tyson or, you know, Mr. Dream if you're playing regular Punch-Out. Um, but once you get to Mike Tyson, um, I've used the code several times to actually get to Mike Tyson. I can't even last the first round, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I never quite made it to Mike Tyson. But I, I can imagine that the fight would not have lasted very long if I did. <laughs> yeah, you, you get you get hit once and you're down, basically, um, if you're lucky. I mean, if you block it, he instantly, like, uh, sometimes when you run out of stamina as Little Mac, you'll kind of like, uh, you know, he hunches down and he starts breathing really hard. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when that happens, it you, all you can do is just try to dodge. Because if you try to block he'll just hit you again and you're done and you can't get back up. It's, it's one of the, the hardest, I, I guess you would call it a boss battle. Technically it is. Mm -hmm. And any, any video game for the Nintendo doesn't mean it's not a fun game. You know, this was one of those games that I always popped in, even when I didn't know what I wanted to play, because it's just a fun game to play. Um, <clears throat> and kind of, you know, it's fun to rise through the ranks and you kind of pull in for Little Mac. And I don't know, it's just there's something about that game that just had had that special Nintendo sauce to it. Yeah, it's the perfect game where, you know, like you said, if you don't know, like you want to play a game, but you don't know exactly what you want to play. Yeah, it, it's it's not that complicated to do. And it's just it's got that fun, fun feel to it. Yeah. And it does have. um it doesn't have a save feature, but it does have password, excuse me, uh, a password system. Um, but it's one of the few games that actually has the password system that's not that complicated. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really, it doesn't bother me that much. And plus, you know, it's one of the games that you you can have fun just playing it from the beginning. You know, you don't have to always go back you know, to where you left off earlier or whatever. Because once you kind of get used to each fighter, you can get to where you were pretty quickly. I mean, if if you're, you know, I don't know what the speed run numbers are on Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, but I think if, if you know, if, if you play this game enough and you know what each fighter is like and you have all the timing down, I would think you could get through this entire game in like an hour maybe. Maybe yeah. less. Yeah, that that sounds about right. But no, it, it's it's a game. You know, I haven't played this in a long, long, long time. But uh, the memories I do have of it were were good. Yeah, and the coolest thing about this game, uh, let me see, because uh, I was trying to see how many actual bouts there were. But there's a total of fourteen opponents: uh, three in the minor circuit, four in the major, six in the world circuit, and tight and uh, Mike Tyson slash Mr. Dream. 
however, three of the World Circuit bouts involved previously defeated opponents with new moves. Uh, and though, um, I remember you have to play Bald Bull numerous times. Uh, I think Don Flamenco uh, a number of times and also um, Piston Honda. Uh, and each time that you go back, you know, up through the ranks and you have to fight them again, the next time you fight them, they have a whole different set of special moves and they fight completely different. So it's it's a different experience every time. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't really know what much more I can say about Mike Tyson's punch out other than this is absolutely one of the top 10 best games for the Nintendo. Uh, it's one of the most well-made games. The controls are pretty much perfect uh, it's rare to say that about many nes games but this is one of those games where the controls are so intuitive um they're pretty much perfect and it's a fun game and it's a must-have for any nintendo collector like punch out either punch out or mike tyson's punch out either one or both if you find both they're both worth the purchase Absolutely. And it's one of the most known NES games, I think, of all time. Like, it's one of those, you know, you name off your Mario, your Zelda, but I think Punch-Out is, you know, is right around in that next category of, of known Nintendo games. Oh, yeah. it it Like I said, Little Mac was actually a mascot for a while. You know, he was one of the well-known Nintendo mascots uh, in the late 80s, kind of early 90s. Uh, you'd see Little Mac and, you know, advertisements and all over Nintendo Power and stuff like that. So he was a pretty big character back then. And I, I think that he still could be if um, if they put out another really good punch out game. I mean, the Switch would be a good console to do it. Yes, it would. I love the Switch. And, I you know, I talked about it on the Pop Culture Palette. You know, I haven't been this excited about owning a console and a long, long since the Xbox 360, basically like I'm excited for what's going to come out in the next few years for the switch. And I'm so glad I made that purchase. I'm glad you did too. I'm glad you're uh, now part of the club. Ah, oh, yeah, it's so good. And Zelda, man, if Zelda, I, and I haven't played Mario Odyssey yet, I can't speak for it, but I think Legend of Zelda, if it doesn't get game of the year, it's got to come in at least second if if Mario if Mario gets it, which from what I'm hearing from everyone, it's got a good shot of being game of the year. It is that good. I I, I beat the I beat the main story mode. Um I think it was yesterday and it's really good. Mm, I want to play it's, it. It's it's really, really good. We we should do honestly. We should do like an extra episode where, like, after you beat the the main campaign of Breath of the Wild, we should do like a full on review for it. We should because I'd totally be down because I, I I wouldn't mind at all going back and playing that game again. I'm down for it. I should be done with it. Hopefully, um, I'll have a lot of time to play it over the Thanksgiving holiday, and I'm gonna try to finish it by then because, like I said, I want to buy Odyssey for Christmas. And I, I want to go in fresh. I don't want to have anything hanging over my head from Breath of the Wild being like, oh, I haven't finished it yet. I got to go back. No, I want to finish it before I get anything else. No, that's a good strategy. But yeah, um, but going back to Punch Out for just one moment, 
uh, out of 10, I'm giving this a solid nine. It, it's almost a perfect game. I like it. But I yeah, like it. um, I think that's going to do it for this week. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get out of here? I did want to plug a couple of things real quick. Go for it. Um, everyone should check out the newest episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. We we did another roundtable, and uh, we did uh, the subject was pet peeves and things that we hate. It was we so called good. it we called it the Haters Club, and it's <laughs> myself uh, and a few of my coworkers uh, just sat around and we did it over Facebook Live, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we just talked about you know, like I said, pet peeves and. It was interesting, like people bringing up their pet peeves who weren't on the podcast but would comment, and those would lead into whole other discussions and whole other, you know, fun stories and everything. So it it was one of the more fun episodes that I've done in a while. So you can check out um, if you go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash D Diamond Podcast, you can watch the video version, or you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, all podcasting platforms and uh, download the audio version. And also, I'll be doing a uh, Facebook Live AMA this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. It was a good episode, too. I didn't think anybody else in the world had a uh, a wooden utensil phobia <laughs> like my wife had, and that made me laugh. Uh, I'll have to tell Josh that, because I, I don't think I've talked to him since we recorded, but... He'll get a kick out of that. Dude, if I use a wooden utensil to cook with or anything, she will flip out. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, I've got so many fun press box pranks I can think of. <laughs> uh, but also uh, go check out my other podcast as well, uh, Pop Culture Palette over at, at PCP Show on Twitter and uh, PCPRadio.com. Uh, if you want to be a Patreon supporter of the show, if, if you listen to the Pop Culture Palette, we just recorded this month's extra episode, which I'll be releasing this week. Uh, we did another game show, Do You Know General Movie Trivia? And of course, it was between me and Stephanie, and Wally was the host. And we actually have a new winner this time, because Stephanie is like the reigning champion. And I don't want to spoil it, but I win. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm spoiling it. So go over there, check that out. You can get that for a dollar a month. You can get our extra episodes over there. And if you want to support this show, go help us out over at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Absolutely. But uh, but Derek, um, I think it's time for us to get out of here. What do you say? Sounds good to me. All right, let me pull up our end of show stuff here so I can read it without getting confused. And... If I can find our music, there it is. Uh, if you would like to email us, we're at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're also at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. You can follow us individually on Twitter at jfuntastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.